to Fintech Insider Interviews. My name is David Breer from 11FS, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Tim Schaefer, the EVP of Client and Digital Services for Northwestern Mutual. Thanks very much for taking some time to talk to us on Fintech Insider, Tim. Oh, you're welcome. So let's get into it a little bit. Um, how did you come to work for Northwestern Mutual? Um, what's the sort of background story here? Because it's always fascinating to really understand how people came to uh, be in the positions that they are. Yeah, the background on that is I actually came to the company right out of uh, college. So as I graduated, it was one of the premier employers in the area. And I was looking to stay in the area I was in and uh, had an opportunity, fortunately, to come in actually as an entry-level programmer. So I started my career uh, coding for Northwestern Mutual. Wow, very cool. Was the uh, sort of coding in the basement like it was when I started in an insurer doing that? Or did they uh, let you have some direct sunlight? We actually had a bit of direct sunlight, um, and uh, so that was nice. And it was one of the, the things that drew me to the company is it seemed to have a really good work environment for people. So uh, it was one of the things that differentiated at the time. Very cool. And you've been at Northwestern for a little while now, is that right? Yeah, just 29 years at this point. So uh, <laughs> a bit of my career. It's one of those, you go into a first job, not quite knowing how long you're going to be at an organization. And 29 years later, you've, uh, you've I guess, seen a lot and done a lot, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of us, you know, started early in our careers here and, you know, probably like many people thought, oh, maybe three years and then move on to the next thing. But, uh, you know, the company has a way of giving you lots of job opportunities and lots of different spaces. So it was uh, kind of a fun way to have a really diverse career in the same uh, same company. Wow. Well, I think we could probably talk for like a couple of hours on the the sort of 29 years charting the the sort of history of that, because I guess, uh, you know, super interested to understand how you went from a uh, entry level programmer to EVP. So what's the um, brief history on that side? Uh, the, the brief history is I, I was deep into tech for a number of years and then wanted to broaden out a little bit and, and understand other aspects of the business. And one of the key uh, turning points for me was an opportunity to uh, actually move out of tech and go into our customer service area and had an opportunity along the way to actually lead our life insurance claims and benefits area, which... Uh, for a company like ours is where we really fulfill the promise, oftentimes decades later that we've made to people in paying out benefits. So it was a great experience for me, but it launched me more deeply into to leadership roles in the company. And I ended up rotating back into technology uh, down the road and um, have spent the last uh, decade going through lots of transformation in that space. So uh, that's uh, kind of the, the quick journey that I've taken in my career. Fascinating. The, the amount of, you know, senior positions within big financial services organizations don't have that background in technology. So that must have been a, a real advantage through the, the just knowing when uh, people are trying to pull the wool over your eyes to a certain degree. So it's, um, yeah, great, great to see somebody in a senior role having such a, a solid background in technology. Um, I, I guess, you know, the insurance and financial services industry more broadly I, I really are going through quite a revolution, really, you know, both from a technological perspective, but also within the sort of competitive landscape. So how are you guys at Northwestern Mutual really sort of embracing new technology? Yeah, we've, we've done a number of things. I think uh, one of the biggest uh, changes we've gone through is we've really moved away from a model internally of what you might consider a traditional IT structure organization. And over the last few years have really accelerated into adopting a model and structure and way of working that more closely models what you'd find at a software tech company. So strong focus on 
uh, digital products uh, and digital product leadership, uh, very strong focus on uh, engineering uh, and bringing in that right skill set. So that's been a key piece of it. But we've also um, done a number of other things to really plug ourselves in more deeply to uh, what's happening with the newest technologies. So we're involved in the startup community. We have our own future ventures fund and we're investing in, in startups in that community. We've done an acquisition of a uh, digital financial planning company called LearnVest a couple of years ago, which has helped accelerate us in the space. So we've got a number of activities underway that have really helped immerse us in much more of that leading technology space. As Fascinating. You started with how you established yourself. You know, I'm a firm believer is it's, it's kind of not what you, uh, you do just, but the way that you do it. So, you know, the, the sort of culture for really establishing excellence in that space is, is kind of a, a big deal. And for, you know, for a company that has, uh, you know, been around as, as long as yours has, then, you know, sometimes technology isn't the only driver. Uh, of being sort of inhibited it's it's actually the the culture um i guess how have you really sort of gone about establishing a culture of change and a, a adoption of new technology yeah i think a lot of that uh starts with establishing a really strong why like why would we go down this path why are we changing and for us it all centers on uh trying to do more for people around their financial security we think there's major challenges yet today with everything we've seen from from incumbents and fintech and so forth, we still know that um, a large percentage of people don't feel really confident or financially secure in their lives. And we know it has a lot of impact on them. So there's a sense of purpose and mission behind uh, a lot of the changes we've made uh, culturally. And we've paired our, our move into technology with a very strong focus on reimagining and elevating that client experience. Uh, so how do we really change that experience as it relates to financial services, which I think pretty well understood today that um, there's a lot of room to improve uh, across our industry. And that's the great thing, right? It's a beautiful time to be doing this type of stuff because there is so much opportunity, really, whether it be, uh, like, say, on the, the sort of ever-increasing bar of expectations from customers or the new technology that's kind of coming through to um, really sort of uh, help drive forward a, a better sort of experience for people. I, I guess it's a, an interesting seesaw act to a certain degree. You know, on one hand, you've got, uh, you know, the legacy culture. On the other hand, you've got legacy technology. Which one of those would you sort of, uh, throw your hat on as, as being the, the sort of biggest driver for change in some of the incumbent organizations? Do you think it's the, the tech that's more of a weight back or do you think it's more of a, a, a culture? You know, I'm a firm believer it really starts with that culture and the mindset, really shifting mindset first. Um, yes, the legacy technology can be a barrier, but I've always believed technology is something we can really break down and attack uh, given the right focus and, and effort. Um, I think the mindset's the bigger barrier for companies. How do you get your head around where things could go in the future? How you really uh, plot that course? How do you really help people shift what they're seeing from the marketplace? Um, so that's really uh, been our focus. And I think it's uh, definitely the greater challenge than uh, dealing with the legacy technology. Completely agree with that. How, how do you do that? How have you sort of gone about moving, uh, you know, one of the, the sort of big incumbents within the organization forward to uh, not fear change, but really sort of embrace new technology? Yeah, I think there's uh, a couple of things we've done that have been critical in that front. One is just uh, 
you know, really coming out very directly with a more comprehensive strategy that speaks to what we're trying to do as a company. And again, that, that sense of purpose or mission that drives us uh, in helping everybody in the organization see that as a need. But then it's really um, exposing people as much as you can to uh, what's happening in the outside world. I think uh, particularly in larger companies, you can become kind of insular, inward focused. And so we've had a, a strong effort for a few years now to really think about outside in thinking, uh, getting out and understanding how things look from a client's perspective, from an advisor's perspective, and developing that sense of empathy uh, for it uh, can be a really powerful way. And then, of course, you know, you're always going to have people who want to self-select into that kind of experience, see the, the change, maybe some of the ambiguity or uncertainty that comes with it as is, is opportunity. And others are going to feel more challenged for around that. So we look to build bridges for those individuals. But at the end of the day, we know we have got to move forward. Excellent. I guess in, in my mind, I, there's so many different technologies in this space that, you know, have the potential to be disruptive uh, within both the the sort of insurance and the broader you know financial services ecosystem but i guess there's a lot of sort of magic beans in there as well you know we, there's a lot of uh, overhype for things like blockchain or dlt more broadly uh, what are the things that are really sort of getting you excited in this space at the moment that you feel have got real um, applications within your business to really sort of make a difference either from a operational perspective or from a customer experience perspective yeah, from our standpoint, I think the things that are, are top of the list for us right now, um, we're very interested in what's happening around uh, AI, machine learning, uh, data and analytics. We as a as an organization, I think the whole industry, there's lots of data available. It's how do you really get value out of that? And uh, we see an opportunity to really change the experience for people by doing a lot more in that space. So for us, it's uh, everything from reimagining uh, the experience around uh, applying for insurance and going through the underwriting uh, process and how data can really help uh, improve that overall experience. And AI can really help us from a, a risk analysis and assessment standpoint to how we can uh, leverage that data and information to really help people build confidence in their own financial decision-making. So we talk a lot about financial wellness and how do we take what's perceived as a very complex space and simplify that for people by giving them uh, insight and, and analysis that allows them to understand, you know, they're making the right decisions, they're heading towards their, their plan, their goals, uh, versus when they're getting off track. So we, we talk about the ability of, of technology like data and, and AI to essentially build a GPS for people's financial lives. So we're very excited about things happening in that space. Another space we're um, really paying a lot of attention to and doing some of our uh, venture investing in is around the area of uh, health tech. So we think there's just going to be tremendous innovation in the space of health technology and really uh, helping people and uh, organizations they do business with around things like life insurance and so forth understand kind of where they're at from a health standpoint. We see a lot of interconnections between health and wealth and how those come together. So uh, we're paying a lot of attention to what's happening around a digital health, the ability to do um, more seamless diagnostics, the ability for people to more regularly monitor themselves going well beyond what we see today in terms of uh, sort of consumer wearables into uh, really core uh, medical technology that we think is going to be revolutionary for people in understanding health. 
I think that's fascinating because actually all of these things are contributing to a, a better data set, aren't they? You know, in, in being in a situation where you've actually got, um, you know, health tech solutions that are providing either real time or aggregated views of, of your, your health performance, it allows people to really sort of serve people a lot better and almost kind of start to move to a, a very different business model within, in the insurance space. You know, for me, this has always been potentially sort of one of the biggest inhibitors within financial services more broadly, really breaking down old business models and, and moving them forwards. And, you know, things like IOT and, and like say more broadly sort of health insurance tech, then that feels like a, a great way of really, you know, giving a one-to-one experience in a market that's generally been about bucketing risk. Um, so that's, that's absolutely fascinating. I, I guess, um, you know, broader than that, there's a whole wave of um, people getting excited about what APIs can do for them. Uh, is this something that you guys are looking at as well? Oh, absolutely. So a lot of investment in the area of APIs, uh, both in really uh, service enabling and API enabling a lot of our internal capabilities so that we can fully leverage those in a more integrated way across the entire uh, client journey with us. Uh, but also just the ability to bring together capabilities, external, internal, into new features and solutions. So APIs, um, in many ways, I, I talk about the fact that we in the tech industry have been obsessed about what we put inside the boxes, but the ability to interconnect and manage those lines and, and integration are really the bigger challenges for us. Absolutely. And, you know, integrating uh, either you know, data or services from external parties is, is always been a, a challenge for, for large organizations who are, you know, maybe more used to protecting them. So again, it, it sort of feeds into that. Um, this is as much about a uh, cultural revolution as it is a technological one, which is, um, you know, really, really exciting for me. Financial Times guides you through complex issues. In divisive times, don't settle for black and white. When you need the full perspective, Turn to FT.com. Become a subscriber today. Search for FT subscription. Critical mass. That's what turns the smallest ventures into life-changing forces. Reach critical mass by joining Temenos Open Marketplace for fintechs. Opening up access to 2,000 of the world's largest financial institutions. Don't just take our word for it. Temenos Marketplace has just one reader's choice Best Emerging Innovative Technology Product and Service at the 2016 Banking Technology Awards. Join Temenos now. We make the money go round. Let's be honest. Most digital banking experiences just aren't that amazing. Learn how more than 180 banks worldwide, including Barclays, Deutsche Bank, and BBVA, innovate faster with Strands as their trusted fintech partner. To find out more, visit strands.com today. I guess what's the sort of barriers to this? You know, it feels like all of these opportunities, like say either from a, a resourcing, a cultural or from a technological perspective, there, you know, there's always sort of hurdles that get in the way. And I guess particularly in the US, what, what are you guys seeing as the, the major inhibitors for this type of change? You know, I think part of it does start with uh, just shifting mindset. And by that, I mean um, the importance within the financial services industry of really uh strongly focusing on that consumer client perspective. And, um, you know, from our viewpoint, there's a lot of activity that's going on today that's trying to create convenience through this technology. 
the challenge with that is we believe the real need is for people to have a greater sense of confidence. And um, I think one of the challenges uh, we see to fully realizing this capability is that uh, when it comes to people's financial lives, it can't just be about what you're doing with algorithms and data. It's how you actually seamlessly integrate that with human advice. There's still very much a need, and we see a strong desire among people, um, particularly as they get, say, any uh, kind of assets built up, um, any kind of material financial situation that they're in. They're looking for certainly the convenience technology provides, but they're also looking for the trust and confidence they can get out of advice and, and that human connection. So I think one of the bigger challenges to realizing this is how do you seamlessly bring those two things together? Obviously, we also have to uh, deal with the fact that the industry is a highly regulated industry. And at times, regulation really trails what's happening in terms of innovation and technology. So trying to strike that balance between what can be done versus what should be done. And again, we, we internally turn to a perspective that says, how do you really include uh, that customer, that client in this experience, really paying attention to uh, how to invite them into some of these new capabilities rather than uh, sort of thrust it upon them. So I think the challenges cross a lot of dimensions, but a big part of this is is working the, the cultural, the mindset, and finding ways to drive integration, not just from a technology standpoint, but really integrating technology and that digital experience with uh, the human advice that people are really seeking. Com- completely agree with all of that. I think a lot of the, when you sort of look at digital transformation, a lot of people have kind of lost that warmth through digitization. You know, you've lost the human interaction, which actually people really, really need, especially if they're in, you know, any elements of distress. You know, the, the idea of a telephony IVR system or a, uh, a chatbot for dealing for those things isn't always the, going to be the best response. And, you know, particularly for certain age groups and, uh, sort of digital savviness. But I think you touched on a point there as well about the sort of regulatory landscape you know i know one of the things that um within the sort of european union and and particularly within the the uk that we've been i guess blessed with within the 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 banking side of things has been the fca uh their approach to sort of innovation and sort of fostering change has been a a really big kind of push to sort of let people know that it's okay Uh, you know things like cloud adoption for uh you know putting um sort of significant systems into then you know they're they're very open to those types of changes where it's going to both benefit the the organization reduce the level of risk that's in the processes and also drive you know real big benefit for the uh, for the customer so you know do you see the 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 sort of regulatory education processes, I guess, one of the the major sort of threads there, really. It is. And I think we're in the U.S. seeing early signs of trying to create some openness to new ways of working with uh, clients in the financial services space, trying to really uh, create space for innovation all around the mindset of what's in the best interest uh, of clients. I think the, the challenge in the regulatory space is always how to balance the fact that and there's a strong task to try and, and uh, prevent, you know, the, the bad actor scenario and that the effort to prevent that doesn't limit the ability for everyone who's really trying to help people through um, challenging parts of their life uh, when dealing with money, be able to, to use some of the technology. So we see early signs around that. 
Um, but it's, it's a journey too. And, and when you combine it with, uh, you know, the cyber threats that continue to escalate and grow, uh, in this space, um, it's going to take some time to sort of settle in around what's really going to work. Yeah, it's a very dynamic landscape, isn't it? There's lots of, uh, moving pieces in there. I, I guess, um, you know, increasingly we're talking about, you know, fintech. Um, but I guess there's the emergence of the, and I guess the, the, the threat of the sort of tech coming to fin, uh, as in the apples and the, uh, large sort of, um, retailers like the Alibaba's and the Amazons of the world. How much, I guess, is your organization a, a kind of concerned, I guess, with not just the immediate competitors in the landscape that you've got, but actually the, the sort of emerging threat from the, uh, you know, the, the, the big tech firms? We certainly pay attention to what they're doing. They've been on our radar for a few years now. Um, we've seen different attempts uh, to kind of enter different parts of, of the fin space. Um, you know, Google trying to create kind of a consolidator around uh, some uh, P&C type insurance, um, backing out of that now. But we know they have a pattern of kind of going in and out as they learn. Obviously, Amazon uh, scaling up and... Uh, moving into lots of spaces and creating that tremendous convenience combined with some personalization. So we pay attention. I think uh, what's unique about the financial space is even where we've seen pure play uh, digital companies emerge specifically in the fintech space, we're now seeing those companies realize that uh, their customer base is looking for some sort of human connection as well. And, and so while a lot of the big tech players out there are really good at, at convenience. Um, they really don't pay any attention to that human touch. So I think it's going to be interesting within the financial space to see if, um, you know, that really pure digital play can uh, gain traction at any kind of scale. So we pay attention to it. But uh, again, we really believe uh, the challenge here in the financial space is how you seamlessly integrate the two, not how you come up with such a compelling digital environment that people are willing to trust that completely. And I, and I guess, you know, back to your point a second ago about the, the sort of health insurance side of things in terms of the health tech, uh, side kind of feels like the, the landscape moving there towards a, a service and a hardware ecosystem sort of driven by sensors and all, all the sort of potential that we've got from a, an IOT perspective. You know, really it, I guess forces people like yourself to really start thinking about hardware as much as uh, as, as services as sources for data, which you know again is a uh, as somebody who's got a tech background, I'm sure is a, a very exciting proposition. But it's a you know it's a very different thing to be thinking about when you're a um, you know an, an organization who's been used to providing you know service led capability. Right, you know I think it's part of this overall convergence we're seeing where um, traditional lines of separation between, you know, service and product, uh, digital is breaking all of that down and creating an environment where um, you really need that integrated capability uh, across the board. So, you know, in this strong drive, uh, we see particularly in uh, younger generations around the quantified self and the efforts to really understand through data, you know, everything you're doing in your life plays into our space and understanding, you know, like I said, you know, it starts maybe with, you know, consumer wearables, but we're seeing some of that fade away right now and, and seeing attention going to uh, sort of next generation capabilities, uh, everything from 
sort of in-home uh, testing of yourself to, to monitor your health to, uh, you know, just a whole new wave of diagnostics and so forth in that space. So, yeah, hardware starts to play a role, how we interconnect around that. So the way we manage that is to really think about the fact that uh, we're delivering an entire experience, an integrated experience, and that could include any of these elements coming together. Uh, what we want to be careful to do is not just uh, chase uh, the next shiny gadget and pay uh, complete attention to that integrated experience we're creating. Uh, fascinating. And again, it's like you say, it's, it's one of those hot topics for so many people. It's exactly like you say, it's not just chasing the sort of shiny magic beans that have come out, but almost as important is defining for, for your organization the things that you think you're not going to do as the ones that you are. Um, just to make sure you've got that focus continually back into the, to the business of, uh, you know, where we're going and why. Um, I, I guess the, the interesting thing on that to a certain degree when you start looking at all that data is, um, you know, the, the insurance, um, the liability model really starts to move to almost preventative, you know, the, the, uh, the, the minute where you can actually start to see changes in things or you know that, uh, you know, the, the probability of something is increasing, then again, it's, it can allow real sort of shifts in what that, that uh, model for insurance can be, which, you know, for me is it moves much more to a, you know, a very, uh, or, you know, a personalized experience and, and one that I think the, the whole space will really, really benefit from. And um, maybe Tim, if we can sort of, um, learn a little bit more about yourself. So, you know, you've had a, a great, um, you know, 29 years with, uh, NM. So, you know, knowing a little bit more about, I guess, what your career highlight would be uh, uh, through that period, because you must have seen some real periods of change through that. Uh, I have, and I think um, there's a couple of big things that stand out. One was, uh, you know, that experience of really being responsible for uh, our claims and benefits and delivering on that promise was a pretty special time in my career to be that engaged in the core of what the company uh, does for people and delivering at a time when people are in, you know, challenging times, uh, dealing with tragedy in many cases being part of that team to really uh, deliver what relief we could was a major highlight for me. And then I'd say the experience we're having right now, I mean, as a, as somebody who came into uh, the industry with a, a strong orientation around technology, the time run right now is unlike anything I've seen in the last 30 years in terms of just the immense opportunity that's there and the opportunity to really uh, transform uh, not just what we're doing with technology, but an entire organization towards this purpose we have is uh, so the last two, three years have, have been uh, tremendous uh, and exciting. For me. It definitely feels like the, um, you know, the pace, if anything is getting quicker and quicker, isn't it? And uh, you know, the, uh, the amount of uh, different technologies to deal with the amount of emails that are coming through, you know, the relentless nature of businesses um, I'd say getting uh 24 seven by now, if, uh, if it hasn't been that for you for a little while, but um, how, like how, I guess, how do you deal with all of those different things? What's your, uh, you know, your productivity tip that you would give to our listeners? Well, I, th I think it builds off of what uh, you just said in terms of the pace. Um, if you want, you can, you can work around the clock and, and be task focused every minute of the day. So my productivity uh, tip, the thing I've really focused on to work through that, that kind of environment is to actually step away from all the tasks. So I'm a strong believer in uh, finding time to reflect and whether that's a little bit of time each day or in my case, um, I, I block off. Uh, pretty much from Friday evening until Sunday morning is time that I step away 
from all of the day to day and and the buzz of activity and use that time to step back, step away, reflect. And I find that uh, that's often when I generate some of my better thinking or or breakthrough on, on issues that are challenging me at the time. So I think one of the most important things to do to be productive is to find time where you're not trying to be as productive. That makes total sense. Downtime's really sort of important, isn't it? It gives you a, um, you know, sometimes a different perspective on a problem or, uh, you know, an, an approach to things. So, you know, a big part of throughout your career, I guess, has been how you establish and create and, and sort of motivate teams. So what would be, I guess, the, the sort of your core approach to motivating a team? I think it starts with a really strong sense of purpose and getting everyone aligned and committed to the same goal. I believe for a long time that you can't even say you have a team if they don't have a shared goal that they're driving towards. And I think that brings people together. It rallies them and it gets them to uh, look outward and drive forward to the opportunity in front of us. So I think really focusing on that shared goal is critical to creating motivation in a team. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, over your career, I'm sure there's many people who have uh, given you various different bit, bits of advice. But what um, what would you sort of put up there as the um, best career advice that somebody's given you over your time? I think the best career advice I've gotten is to uh, always be open and opportunistic about stepping away from uh, sort of your core area of expertise. If the opportunity presents itself, whether in a, a formal role or in a team or task force or some effort, uh, that pulls you away from uh, your core focus. It's a great way to build perspective, build relationships, and uh, and it'll help you in, in whatever you're focused on. So I've always been encouraged to kind of work beyond what my core focus or responsibility was and found that to be uh, invaluable in my uh, career. Fantastic. Sounds like a great tip. Um, well, thank you very much, Tim, for joining us. Really appreciate you making the time. Thank you. So that's what we have for you this week. If you like what you've heard, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes. It's how we know you like what we're doing. That's it for now. Thanks.